welcome to the inaugural Red Semia podcast from all of us in Red's London team. My name is David Orby Graves, one of the London-based editors with Red Intelligence. Today we'll be honing in on Ukraine's recently launched consent solicitation and are delighted to present a fireside chat with one of the lead bankers arranging the transaction. The sovereign launched its consent solicitation on the 20th of July on all its international bonds and GDP warrants totaling just under 20 billion dollars. In brief, Ukraine is asking its bondholders to defer principal and interest payments for 2 years with the deferred payments set to accrue interest. The government is also asking that its GDP warrant holders defer a payment due next year until 2024 and cap the maximum payout based on the 2023 reference year at half a percent of GDP as opposed to the current 1%. Again, for the GDP warrant holders, the deferred payment will accrue interest, but unlike the bonds, warrant holders will also receive a consent fee for voting in favor of the deal. Impressively, Official sector creditors from the G7 and Paris Club announced their full support of the transaction on the same day the consent was launched, agreeing to a 2-year plus 1 debt suspension on the debt they hold. And hot on the heels of the sovereign's consent request, two state-owned enterprises, Ukrenergo and Ukravtador, also issued their own consent requests asking for broadly similar debt payment relief. I'm joined by Yuliana Vilkos from our Semia team, who is a Ukrainian herself. Yuliana has been following Ukraine's adventures on the international capital markets for a long time. Yuliana, the market has been speculating for some time on the need for Ukraine to do something with its debt, given the ongoing war and the country's upcoming September eurobond maturity of nearly 1 billion dollars. Perhaps you could share your thoughts on what the market feedback has been so far on the consent. Hi David, good to be here with you. Look, Ukraine does need to preserve liquidity and direct it towards higher priority items and debt servicing, and people know that. The government has a 5 billion monthly fiscal gap which is not fully covered at the moment, and sadly, we don't see the end of this war anytime soon. So we just don't know how much the situation will deteriorate. Nobody should be surprised that Ukraine is asking to defer payments, and most people aren't. What some people are a bit uncomfortable about is that Ukraine included its August and September maturities in the exercise leaving a very short window to reach an agreement with bondholders also the government's public narrative until the very last moment did suggest that the sovereign intends to remain current on its debt at least in the short term and so to some investors the request did feel abrupt despite their moral alignment with Ukraine in this war In fact, earlier this week I talked to Stefan Weiler, who is head of Simia DCM at JP Morgan. Uh, JP Morgan is Ukraine's consensus solicitation agent on this transaction. And here is what Stefan had to say about this. Um I think there were um a number of factors um that um played a a role in the in the timing of the consensus solicitations that we launched recently. Um clearly um everyone understands that we are um when i say we i really mean we as a deal team um part of ukraine are at war um and it is a very uncertain period um and there's a, a very uncertain outlook you know for the for the country and its economy um and as such um it it's been very very difficult for um the government to um you know to predict and forecast um its financial resources 
Um, it's only been able to do that on a very short narrative, almost a month by month planning. Um, and so one, one, of the, one of the reasons behind why Ukraine um, shows the timing that it shows is, is that um, it really wanted to um, retain as much flexibility um, and I should maybe elaborate a little bit. Ukraine was very focused on servicing its debts um, despite the war and despite limited finances. Um, and it, it really won a lot of support and admiration from, um, from, from the world, including the, the financial community. And it was very focused on retaining this, um, this good standing and um, this uh, kind of constructive um, image uh, with investors, also because it's it was very clear from the very beginning that you know the private sector will be very important when it comes to rebuilding Ukraine, um, and so um, Ukraine wanted to show proactively um, a, a significant amount of of goodwill. It has um, built up a fantastic reputation over the last. Few years um, you know, with investors, a very good dialogue um, has been created, um, and so Ukraine really wanted to wait as long as possible um, and continue services as, as long as possible. Um, now, there were many, um, many around the world and in the market that predicted a very short war, um, and now it has lasted probably longer than most had anticipated, um, which also meant the financial. Uh, drain on on the on the country is a lot more significant as the war continues. So, um, so that was you know part of why um, you know the timing was chosen. Um, clearly, the September maturity is a significant uh, payment um, of almost a billion, um, which um, um, you know was was important for for the country to consider. The other the the big. Another aspect I think that encouraged um, the government also to, um, you know, to proceed with the with the solicitation was that international investors um, uh, strongly encouraged Ukraine to um, to prioritize its its limited liquidity. Right, so there was a lot of support already mentioned in my my words earlier. Um, but as time passed, there was increased bewilderment, surprise, um, you know, from investor side on, on why Ukraine is continuing to pay um, and, and service its debt when, you know, the needs of the population and, um, you know, the cost of fighting the war were, were so significant. So I think there is one that's the preservation of goodwill that Ukraine wanted to keep for as long as possible you know, with investors. The other, it's that investors have actually um, very much um, encouraged um, Ukraine to, to do the right thing and preserve liquidity for more important sources um, or needs, I should say. Um, and then lastly, to your question, I would say that there's also, it was very important for Ukraine um, to be equal and fair to everyone in the process, right? It's not a step that they wanted to take, um, but a step that they had to take. And since they had to take it, they wanted to be sure that it's fair and equal to every investor. And that includes the official sector and the private sector. Um, so there was also a process of um, trying to align um, 
uh, all creditors um, across the curve on, on the private sector side, but also in, in how the official sector is supporting um, Ukraine during this difficult time. And as you can imagine, um, this is also something that um, takes time, right? This alignment of um, official sector and various parties within the official sector and the private sector. Um, and so that is, um, I think, with secondary um, kind of consequence of, of the timing that was, um, was then chosen. Indeed, indeed. And uh, the public sector's recognition of the joint effort wasn't there during Ukraine restructuring in 2015. So it is now seen as the main advantage of this deal. I wonder how difficult or easy was it to get the G7 and Paris Club on board? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I think it's pretty unprecedented based on what uh, what I know, and I've been in the market for for some time. Um, it typically takes um, a lot of time, and um, you know, the official sector has a lot of different stakeholders that may have different interests and processes. Um, so having um, you know having this alignment. Um, it's, it's, it's really big kudos to Kiev. And I think it also shows just the unequivocal support that uh, Kiev enjoys amongst um, the official sector and, and, and really the world. Right? I think there was um, these sort of alignments and concessions um, on, a, on a debt service suspension are, are difficult and usually very time consuming. Um, but I think it, it just shows how, how supportive everyone has been of, of Ukraine. And, and so, you know, the alignment here was possible. And, and as I said earlier, I think it's, it's very important for, um, a, you know, a bond investor also to feel that um, he or she are treated equally to the official sector and that, um, you know, everyone is, is shipping in to, to support Ukraine in this difficult period. Talking about the official sector generally and other key stakeholders, Given the amount of international financing Ukraine needs, it will want a new IMF program sooner rather than later, right? We have already seen some media comments from the Ukrainian officials on this subject, yet publicly the IMF have been very quiet on this debt deferral request. Did the fund play any role at all in the preparation for the announcement? I mean, the fund was uh, very, very much aware um, and, and so I would, I would say, um, uh, yes, um, I mean, they, they clearly have had an input in, into the process. And, um, if you, if you were to, to call and ask them, I'm, I'm sure they would not be shy in, um, displaying their support very strongly. Um, so I would encourage anyone, um, listening to this to, to give the IMF a call and, um, to ask them how they feel about this. Um, you know, this consent and, um, and and whether or not they're behind it, I can tell you you would get an, an absolute yes in, in capital letters. Let's assume the consent solicitation goes through. In that scenario, Ukraine says just over 4 billion US dollars this year and the next, correct me if I'm wrong, and in 2024, it will pay about half of what it would have to pay without the transaction, about 1.8 billion US dollars. But the payments do increase steeply from 2025, with some 3.2 billion to pay that year. And we don't even know, you know, what the MF will think about Ukraine deficit mobility going forward. Should we expect a more comprehensive restructuring further down the line? 
Yes, yeah, good question. Um, the honest answer is nobody knows. I think it all depends on how how the war will will play out, um, and uh, you know what the, what the economic situations and financing needs um, are of, of Ukraine, right? And this is also why what we're currently doing is is not really a, a typical debt restructuring, right? We we don't have a debt sustainability analysis. There's no assumptions that you can you can make. And, and present as as likely and and, and reasonable. Um, so this is really um, you know a liquidity preservation exercise. It's also on the Warren side um, an exercise that ensures that no investors um, benefit from the consequences of the war that will induce volatility in the GDP. Um, but in terms of um, you know, future uh, restructuring exercises, um, it's, it's very much possible. I mean, um, of course, we and, and, and foremost Ukraine would very much like to avoid it, but given the uncertainty on, on the horizon, um, nobody would be able to give assurances that it may not be required. But what's important now is to preserve liquidity. Um, and uh, this is... Um, uh, you know, this, the two transactions that we're doing are part of that um, that exercise um, and an objective. Um, but whether or not the debt will be sustainable in you know two years, three years time, it's um, it's very uncertain and nobody knows. But coming back to the current consent, you, I mean, it's your job, right? <laughs> it's you and your team. You are in touch with bondholders daily. What what is your assessment of the investor appetite to support this deal? Oh, the the support is is very strong. I mean, as I said in the beginning, the um, it was really uh, investors and um, you know uh, many many investors that have encouraged Ukraine to take these steps. Um, so it was. There's no surprise that um, the 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 big lion share of of investors is fully behind. What we're trying to achieve and wants to support Ukraine, and they feel like they are they're helping Ukraine, you know, in this war by um, by supporting the transaction. Of course, there there are some investors also that may be more economically motivated um, that um, that are still on the sidelines. I can tell you that um, you know where we are in the process right now. It it looks very encouraging. Um, you know, the feedback is that overwhelmingly is is very positive. Um, you know, the consent is, or both consents are still, um, you know, running for a few days. Um, so, you know, we don't have finality in the process, but, you know, I think it's fair to say that we are confident that um, that we will succeed on on, on both, both both exercises. What has been the feedback, though, from holders of the shortest dated maturity, the September 22 bond? I know that many investors did expect that that bond would be paid. And and I know some of them have been a little bit uncomfortable to see that it was included in the exercise. Yeah, I mean, there have been very few, um, you know, accounts who have expressed not an opposition, but I would say um, maybe a reservation, um, you know, on, on the 22s, maybe looking for um, a compensation, you know, for, for that series to pass. Um, obviously, a compensation is not really in line with, with the objective of our exercise here, which is to preserve as much liquidity as possible for Ukraine. Um, and you know what? Um, what what really um, 
I think it's important is that is is that objective of equality, right, and fairness. And you know, when you ask these investors, and we've done this uh, on a on a couple of occasions, to say, look, um, you know, would you have been happy if um, we've only asked you, yeah, to extend your maturity by two years? Um, you know, the holders of the twenty twos, but left the entire curve otherwise untouched. The answer was no. Right, so, um, and that's understandable, right? The Ukraine is, um, wanted to be be fair and ask and didn't want to discriminate between investors um, across the curve, right? So they said, no, we're not just going to look at the short short end of the curve. We're gonna, we're going to ask everyone to shift two years, right? We want to be fair to everyone, and so there's really no um, no reason, right, to 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 treat the short end differently from an from an economic point of view right we are um you know coupons continue to be capitalized there's interest paid on them there's no haircuts um and every bond is treated the same um and so you know so i think um investors those few that have some reservations i think they're getting their head around it um but um so yeah it's it's mainly about being fair to everyone, right? We don't want to pay some investors and not others. We don't want to ask some investors to extend and not others, right? It needs to be equal, you know, for, for everyone. Okay. So can you please walk me through very briefly what happens if, say, some Eurobond series do not get the required quorum or do not vote in favor? Um, well, first of all, we, we just... Uh, today introduced the most favored nation um, concept. So there was some feedback from investors that wanted that included. Um, and those investors were those um, that have been strongly supporting Ukraine. Right? So they, what they wanted to, to, to ensure is that, um, that if indeed there is uh, maybe a series that um, doesn't pass the quorum or voting threshold, that um, there would be no way around those those holders to to obtain better terms than what the rest of um, you know the curve and and the warrant holders have agreed to. Um, so I think that's a very positive um, development. Um, so what to, to answer your question, what 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 could Ukraine do, or what are the scenarios? I, I think there are basically two scenarios. One is um, you know, Ukraine could decide to relaunch the entire exercise. Um, which, as you can appreciate, would be very undesirable and also problematic given certain payment obligations that are coming due soon. And the second would be to um, uh, perhaps um, impose a moratorium on, um, you know, on a security that uh, didn't meet the thresholds, um, which ultimately then means that investors would have the chance to, to sue Ukraine directly. Um, so kind of similar to what happened to the to the Russian bond, the famous Russian bond that uh, that held out in 2015. Um, obviously, that's not something that Ukraine would really uh, be keen to do. But it is um, to answer your question. It is, I think, one of two options. Okay, thanks for that, Stefan. Well, I wanted to wish you and the Ukrainian government good luck in getting this consent request approved. But then, of course, Ukraine does not need luck, does it? It needs arms for defense. It needs continued international financing. And now it also needs a debt payments relief so it can have the resources for bigger priorities. To support or not to support this, that seems like the choice for investors to make. Thanks for the chat, Stefan. No, thank you. Um, thank you for, 
for the shans um i i do hope that um uh you know the consensus will pass i think we all agree it's the the right thing to do and um thank you for listening <laughs>